Welcome back to the Menopause Movement Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Michelle Gordon, and I'm excited to remind you, our podcast listeners, that the Menopause Movement Live Workshop will be held in Manchester, UK on the 25th of April. At this one-day workshop, we will help you go from mental misery, and by that I mean hot, sweaty, sleepless nights, not recognizing yourself due to extreme moods, piling on the weight and starting to look pregnant, to mental mate, content, sleeping at night, alert and even mood, perhaps even fitting into your premenopausal clothes. At the workshop, we will reveal the Minomate way of living so that you can discover how suffering is optional in menopause. Go to menopausemovementlive.com to buy your tickets now before we sell out. Now, today we are joined by Julia Lally. Julia is a self-proclaimed pleasure witch. She's a ferocious advocate for the power of your orgasm. She's a caller into being of your wild and deep a full body empowerment mentor, a sex and empowerment coach for women and couples. She often works with women who are racked with the need to please, who are still bereft upon a life that gives an F about what people think about them. And that's why she's here as an advocate for your power to ask you, what would it mean for you personally to access the courage, tenacity, and sheer daring of who you know you actually are? And what would it take for you to live that in full out? What would it mean to be such a queen of your world? And during the podcast, we discuss how women are expected to serve as their duty, how she helps women make pleasure a priority, what is orgasmic meditation, and what that means, how she's a witch, and how the term witch is empowering, why rage and anger are important emotions to be managed responsibly, the role trauma plays in sexual health and healing, what is a normal sex life, and why that is important or not, the difference between male and female orgasm, Monogamy as an opportunity for devotion. Making female sexual happiness a priority and what the world might look like if it were. Improving your sex life during menopause and perimenopause. Sexual spirituality. And stay to the end where we discuss common obstacles to sexual pleasure and how to approach them. Now, at the end of the episode, make sure you visit drmichellegordon.com slash podcasts, where you can find the show notes, plus the links to the books and the resources mentioned in the episode. Also, Julia has graciously gifted us with her eight days to upgrade your orgasm download, and you can go right to drmichellegordon.com slash podcast to grab your copy. If you enjoy the episode, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so you are always the first to know when each episode is released. And thank you for all of the five-star reviews. I really do appreciate you. If you have any questions about the topics covered in this or any other podcast, I invite you to open a conversation with me on Instagram at Dr. Michelle Gordon. That's D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-O-R-D-O-N. And I promise I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Now let's get on to the interview with Julia, the Pleasure Witch. Thanks so much for being a part of the menopause movement. So, Julia, I'm excited to have you here on the Menopause Movement podcast today, mostly because you call yourself a pleasure witch. And I really just want to know how, how, what, what happened? How did this happen for you? <laughs> I think it might always have been that way, <laughs> but it took me 45 years to figure it out, right? <laughs> All right. Yeah. So, I guess you could say for me, really, I got to my 40s and probably like a lot of your viewers or listeners, I really kind of, you know, had spent many, many years in service, right? So to... What, what do you mean by service? Well, I'd just been turning up to serve the family, you know, okay. the bank balance, the, the, the bills, the, the, the expectations of work, everything. And you know how it goes. It's kind of a 
you know, you get to your 40s and you've achieved a lot of the things hopefully that you wanted to achieve. And you wake up one morning and you just feel pretty dried up and exhausted and resentful and empty on a daily basis, right? At least I did. Um, and so I just really began to realize that pleasure was pretty low down on my list of priorities and that maybe that wasn't a good thing. Okay. Yeah. So from there, I mean, you know, like any um, body who's been in a, a long-term relationship, you know, we were lucky to fit in pleasure and, and sexual intimacy between all the other things that we had going on. You know, most of the sure. time we just were exhausted. And so by the time I hit my mid forties, I'm really like, well, is this it? You know, is this what I've got to look forward to? And being lucky enough to live in London at the time, where there's really a whole plethora of kind of sex positive or educational stuff going on, I just went for it and kind of started quite terrified going along to some of these things that were on offer and just exploring and experimenting. So you went to like conf- like one day conferences or long, you know, did you well, no, there were conferences? Yeah, I mean, you know, we, we'd always been, you know, we'd been involved in couples therapy and all sorts of things like that. But I really began, began to get more interested in sexual experience and how I could help, how I could help have more pleasure, basically. Okay. All right. And the first thing I came across was an organization that taught something called orgasmic meditation, which you may or may uh-huh. not have heard of, I don't know. I've heard of it since I read your website. Okay. Okay. So... OM was a really wonderful experience because it's it's a meditation that involves stroking a woman's clitoris for 15 minutes without any goal, any expectation of return. And that's quite radical, right? Because, you know, we bring into our sexual experience often as women so much kind of pressure to perform and to reciprocate, et cetera, et cetera. So for me to have that experience just 15 minutes with all the attention on me, it was absolutely blissful. And I got so into it that I went off to train to teach people how to do okay. it. And we use a lot with couples now who I'm coaching. And from there, I, that wasn't quite enough. I went on to study with Layla Martin and the Sex Love Relationship Coaching Training, which is probably one of the most intensive kind of training in, in sexual arts in the world, I would say. It was a two-year, in the end, it was a two-year course. And I learned a huge amount of practices from jade egg, tantra, um, somatic kind of sexual exercises, which I use and teach basically at this point. That's cool. So tell me, before we go on to talking about the jade egg, I want to know, tell me why you, why you've, Pick the moniker which. Hmm. That's a it's an interesting question. I consider myself a witch. It's not like I'm um it's not like I'm outcasting spells every day or like, you know, talking to the ancestors in the woods. It's it's feels like a political reclamation for me. Like a, a witch is a woman of power, right? Okay. And a witch is a woman of influence. That's a very important thing, right? I mean, what else is magic but the capacity to influence? That's that's really interesting. But I, I still want to know, I mean, so you have the capacity to influence and you are a woman of power, but like, are you Wiccan or do you... Are you a pagan? I mean, because we know there's this really great book, and and I, I mention it quite a bit, and it's called The Alphabet Versus the Goddess. And if you haven't read it, you will probably really enjoy it. Yeah. Because it, what it does is it, there's a gentleman who, he was a surgeon, which is, you know, kind of near and dear to my heart because I've been a surgeon yeah. for a long time. So what he did was he looked at, it's, it's probably the best religious history text I've ever read, and Basically, he talks about how before written language, all gods were female. And with Mm. written language and the use of the right brain, what has happened is, you know, the male gods dismembered the female gods. And you see the stories, um, you know, how the the breast was turned into this hill and, you know, the vagina was turned into that mound and and things like that. And so that might be, you know, a really great resource for you to to look at. Great, great book. And how religion has specifically 
push down feminine ideals and and totally whether you know and 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 the importance of women in society right oh yeah and I riled against that for so many years you know I found myself really angry and funnily enough right now I live in Dartmoor in southwest England which is very ancient land so a lot of the stuff that you're talking about you know it it's there in the landscape and of course a lot of early Christian churches were built on ancient goddess sites. Yeah, yeah. And I find myself going to my local church, which is a, a real turn up of the books for me because, you know, I was I was christened and I went through communion, etc. But, you know, I kind of opened the Bible and just rolled my eyes, you know, just like, well, where, if that's, if Eve is how you're setting me up to be a woman, then I'm not on board with this. But oh, yeah. Really, well, and also, also, how about a woman who's a virgin having a baby because sex is dirty? There we go. I mean, (laughs) right. I mean, so there's a lot of, there's a lot of real problems in, in puritanical Christendom. And, and I think the way that they treat women is uh, particularly horrid. Yeah. And especially when you get into the letters of St. Paul. Yeah. The interesting thing though, for me, since I've been going to this church and connecting a little bit is beginning to, I had this realization that the feminine is really there, you know, cause like all oh, it talks the about, church. Yeah. It's, it's, it's somehow under and encompassing everything else. You know, I had this sense that like the feminine may be very, very quiet, but she's not gone away. And that's some yeah. solace to me, you know? Yeah. That's, that's really interesting. You know, and, and I think we've, I think we're in a position now in, in, 2020 that we're starting to see more women stepping into their power, right? Starting to talk about things like this is the menopause movement podcast, right? Who goes through menopause women and starting to find, you know, their own sense of who they are and what, you know, what, what makes us tick. And unfortunately, and this is this is why I, I'm I'm hoping to, that we can get an audience of younger women as well. What we have done as women, you know, as women, because because of societal norms, is we put ourselves on the back burner, right? And I talk about this a lot when we when we go, you know, in my in my program, which is called the Minnow System and and the men, the Menopause Movement Membership, we talk a lot about, you know, are you waiting for permission? Yeah, because from an early age, you know, the girls are taught to wait for permission and the boys are taught to go and do their own thing. That's right. Yeah, that's right. So, so and I think declaring yourself as a witch to me is a statement of assertion against that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, we, we live in a patriarchy in the Western world uh, without question. And then if you go to some of the Eastern world, you know, the, the Muslim, um, the way the women are are really oppressed there, um, it turns my stomach. It really is, mm-hmm. you know. It's like uh, what what I find to be very very fascinating is when you read when you read Saint Paul. Okay, if you're if you're Catholic, it's Saint Paul. If you read, you know, the Missals of Paul, almost all of them are misogynistic, right? Yeah. I mean, and he says, you know, women have to keep silent. Women have to keep their heads covered, you know, and, and even, even in, you know, Judaism, which is, you know, probably, I mean, reform Judaism is a little bit more, how do I say it? A little bit more progressive, but Mm -hmm. the the women in, you know, Hasidic communities wear wigs to keep their heads Mm -hmm. covered. Mm -hmm. And, and so, you know, how do you, how do you, it, 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 so it's it's permission and it's permission from men and that's that's one of the biggest tenets that that I teach and and I you know one of the if if any if you're listening to this podcast or watching this podcast if if you get nothing else out of it the one thing I want you to hear is that you don't need permission go and do whatever the heck you want <laughs> you know we start with that right so so we have the permission we have uh patriarchy and then i read that you actually personally know tick not han no right oh okay no no i definitely don't oh i read it wrong okay because you said this he told you something and so i thought it was from a personal uh conversation 
Uh, okay, was that on a Facebook post or something? Possibly? No, no, no. That's on your that's on your uh, one of your blogs, uh, one of your uh, blog posts. That that uh, the you know because he's a he's a uh, if if you're not a Buddhist, you don't know, but you know he's a pretty prominent uh, popular Buddhist. But I think in the context was basically that your anger or your rage is really the word that I'm looking for. Yeah. Isn't, isn't something that is powerful for you. Right. It's, you know, it's funny you would bring up anger. Anger is the biggest source of confusion in my life. You know, I don't know if that's the same for a lot of women because living in a world of male privilege is Mm. enraging. Mm -hmm. You know, it, Anger is a necessary thing. It's going to come. And yet at the same time, so you don't want to, like, you don't want to express it in a way that causes harm. And often, you know, including men in, in today's society, Western society anyway, stress levels and trauma levels are so high that, you know, explosions of anger can be very harmful. But at the yeah. same time, keeping that anger in is also harmful to the self. So this is something that I really, I feel this is a real edge for women. Yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting. And when you talk about anger, there's, there's a really great book uh, by Michael Singer called the untethered soul. I, I don't know if yeah. you've read that. Um, another but, one to my list yeah. So, so, but, and, and, and I teach, I teach a lot of the principles from that, but, but what I love about how he deals with, you know, keeping your heart open. He says, you know, don't ever close your heart. And if you don't ever close your heart, then you can let these emotions come through you and you can still be in the frequency of love and gratitude. And that, you know, and, and one of the questions I was going to ask you, because you, you do, you do mention this book called rage becomes her. Oh yeah. On your blog. And so I was going to ask you just like to kind of explain to me how that, how that, how that helps. And what, you know, because I don't know this book. And so I was going to go read it, but I didn't have time before we started. So, <laughs> so let's just, let's just talk for a minute about rage and rage yeah. becomes her and, and why you recommend that book. Well, the thing is, is that we cannot spiritually bypass our rage. It's not going anywhere. You know, we can kind of evolve into being more surrendered, pleasure filled beings. And that's like my ultimate goal and path and what I teach. But as we begin to kind of uncover the layers between us and our deep, profound, orgasmic pleasure, we're going to come up against stuff that isn't necessarily all love and light, and anger is one of them. And I I rile against when people, you know, the whole spiritual tradition which can um, dismiss anger. You know, lots of, you know, I have this thing with my husband. He's like, well, why are you getting angry? And I'm like, well, do you notice that you get angry like that and it's fine? The whole world just accepts it. In fact, they capitulate to it. They give you what you need. But if I get angry, it's like, whoa, you know, there's something wrong. So there's a social context in which anger and rage happens for women in particular. And the thing about that book is that it gives a massive amount of approval to your anger. So if you've got any resistance to why the hell you're angry, you, you need to read that book. Because if it, it's my stock response. If anyone ever says to me, well, you're a bit angry, I'm just like, read that book. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Read that book and come back to me, you know. Well, you know, it's interesting because I think feminism gets uh, confused with anger a lot. And yeah, yeah you know what? We're, we're pissed off. And we're pissed mm-hmm. off because, you know, every time I act the, the same way my male colleagues do, I get labeled a bitch or I get labeled too aggressive and I live, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm a surgeon. So yeah, primarily male dominated platform. And, and I was so outspoken as a resident that the, the patriarchy tried to fire me. Yeah. They lied and said that I, you know, forged some signatures to get my board certification and, you know, and, and listen, it was a long time ago. 25 years ago or something. And, and I'll, I'll take responsibility for being kind of not a super nice human, but that's Mm -hmm. no, that's no reason to try and ruin someone's career because they threaten their masculinity, you know? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I threaten their masculinity. And so, and I just wouldn't, I wouldn't fit into that norm, that that societal norm that they expected, you know, how they expected women to act. 
and at the time, I mean, I, I think this might be a good way to segue into this. So before I do that, though, before because I've got I want to talk to you about sexual abuse. But before I do that, sure. I want to talk to you about, you know, how how rage can be empowering. You do talk yeah. about that, right? Rage, yeah. rage is an empowering emotion because we are taught as girls that we can't get angry. That's not ladylike. That's not how girls act. That's right. And so yeah. we're giving women permission to feel it. And that's great. Yeah. But then we have this dichotomy. And this is, this is one thing I wanted to kind of address with you is that when we start to become self-realized, and start to understand that we're all part of the same, you know, cosmic soup, so to you know, and, and we're, we're, yeah. we're actually, we are spiritual beings having a human experience, right? Yeah. And our goal is to, yeah, yeah. And we're, our goal is to get back to the awareness of our godness. Yeah. So, so when that's the case, then the whole idea is to be in high frequency emotions. And so when we have, so, so, so there is this dichotomy, I think, between accepting and acknowledging your rage as something that's powerful, but then also wanting to be in the more high frequency emotions of gratitude and love. And so I wanted to see how you could kind of make that, you know, because it's, it's really is a dichotomy. It, yeah, like I say, it confuses me. It's it's like the, feels like the work of my life, you know. But ultimately, rage. I, I think when you begin to uncover trauma, rage is inevitable. It's one step. It it, it is going to come. Okay. But I also think there's a social responsibility in terms of how we utilize our rage for power or not. I think there's a context like you spoke to with the the male surgeons against you as a surgeon expressing rage or aggression. Yeah. What else was I going to say there about anger? This is it. Ultimately, ultimately, rage needs to come and it's freeing. But one of the problems and issues I think with feminism is that we can feel we've arrived when we've got our anger and we can just stay stuck there. And that is, that's not a, it's not a fun life. Right. You know, it's high cortisol. It's, it's, it may be something that's like on the way to healing, but do you want to stay there all the time? And for me, kind of devoting myself to the path of pleasure. No, I don't. Right. So, so how is, how is, I mean, I, I just wrote down a little note here is a, you know, rage responsibly. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Indeed. Rage with connection. Yes. Yeah. And so, you know, the, the, I mean, I, and, and I want to segue into talking about trauma. You brought that up and, you know, I don't know if you saw any of the previous podcasts, but I do talk about having been pretty violently sexually assaulted as a child repeatedly. Oh, sorry to and hear that. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, it's in the past. Right. But so, so we, I talk about that and I've talked about it with, you know, when I had Deirdre Fay on and we talked about uh, connection and when I talked to, to Mickey Sturgis and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty open about it because I'm not the only one. So I want, you know, I want to yeah. help give permission to discuss yeah. the fact that, that girls uh, and women are viewed by so many men as the only thing, you know, the, the, the only reason, and this, and I, I don't want to say that it doesn't happen to boys too, but you know, for the, for the sake of this podcast, I, I want to say that, you know, they're, they're used as the outlet for sexual gratification and the men don't think there's anything wrong with that. Hmm. Right. Well, the, the the abusers don't think there's anything wrong with that. Right. That's yeah. and, and the men who are abusing. I'll I'll preface it that way. Yeah. And so you know, I I I think I've talked about this memory I had, but it was a a bunch of men sitting around, and I was right there, and they were talking about Alice in Wonderland, and how Lewis Carroll was a pedophile, and they made such a joke about it, and they're like, "Oh, come here, little girl," and and I was mm. maybe. 11 or 12. So, so creepy. And it was just, and, and, you know, I didn't put the two together, but yeah. So what I wanted to kind of segue from that with my own story was just to talk about how you help women heal from that sort of trauma, because that sort of trauma can make, and, and I can tell you from my personal experience, 
I don't have a normal, what, what, you know, what, what is a normal sex life? Because we don't get taught that. Right. So we start with that, but, but, you know, so, so maybe the questions are, you know, what is a normal sex life according to a pleasure, witch? and mm-hmm. I think that people would really, really, really enjoy an answer to that. And then, mm-hmm. and then I, you know, and then how do you help women uh, heal from trauma? So let's just go ahead and start with, you know, what is normal? Well, the one thing to remember is that women often, one of their biggest fears is, is this normal? And the reality yeah. is that sexual experience is massively diverse. I mean, on a physiological, on a spiritual, on an emotional level, we're all completely and utterly unique. So there's yeah. nothing wrong with any woman's sexual experience as is. Often trauma will shut down sexual responsiveness and actually any kind of trauma or PTSD. So it doesn't even have to be sexual trauma for the sexual responsiveness to shut down, which is very interesting. Well, I think we can say that just, just to add to that, uh, you know, with trauma shutting down sexual responsiveness, you know, somebody who was maybe in a car accident, or yeah. someone, you know, and with, or, or even a bicycle accident had a shattered pelvis. You know, yeah. we have to go back to energy. We yeah. have to go back to the fact that, that, you know, we are energetic beings. And if you, if you're, if your first chakra is, is closed, then yeah. it's going to be really hard to express anything sexually. Well, what happens with trauma is that our um, sense of being in our own bodies is dis- dislocated. Yeah. So it, you know, it doesn't, it, it can be just a, you know, emotionally abusive upbringing or, or, or an accident. As you know, there's a huge amount of science out there about trauma and what happens in the brain. But the biggest kind of issue is that we're dislocated from our felt sense experience, right? Do I even belong where, here? Do I say even that again? Belong, do I even belong here? Do I even belong here? And, and yeah. you know, what is this? What is this thing I'm inhabiting anyway? And the first thing that I teach women on the way to a healthy, vibrant sexual life is to become completely in approval with what is. You know, we are so deeply conditioned to push past. It's like we take our feminine sexuality, which is, uh, is completely unique and outside of the patriarchy, and we put it inside that model and try and make it fit there and then blame ourselves. There's something wrong with us. Yeah. So that's the first place I go is hang on a minute. Let's look at this from a completely different perspective. Oh, that's, that's, that's amazing. Point. Yeah. I like that a lot. So you start with let's, let's accept where we are. Let's accept where we are. And then a piece of education around one of the things I learned with orgasmic meditation, which was so true for me was Male, obviously we're talking about heterosexual relationships here, but male masculine orgasm goes like this. It's like turn on, linear path to ejaculation. Boom, right? Yeah. I mean, yep. this is dysfunction, but, you know, if they're going to climax, that's how it goes. And, and it, it may not even be a straight line. It may be more logarithmic, you know, because as they get closer and closer, it's like going, you know, it's almost yeah. closer to a straight line. That's right. That is so closer straight, straight up, you know, so you're seeing more of a, you know, exponential type curve, I think with a man. Totally true. And then if, but how many women have been so close to orgasm and then somebody moved their hand or their mouth or, you know, and it just didn't happen. The reason for that is because feminine orgasm goes like this. It's like, it goes up in a wave and then it comes down again. And then it like, you might be there for five minutes. You might be there for two seconds, but then it'll go up in another wave and then it'll come. It's all over the place. Yeah. Now, here's yeah. the thing. What as in terms of, I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm imagining that lesbian sexuality is much more like this. You get two. Well, so, so I'm, I'm a lesbian. So this is okay, really good. So then, you know, I'm married, I'm married to a woman, so I'm, I'm happy to answer these questions. Um, and, yeah. and, you know, I think that probably came out in, in the fact that I, uh, I talked about hand and mouth and I never spoke about a penis, although That's I have right. been married. I never, I never really found much, much pleasure in, in penetration uh, by a man, but that you know, probably has to do with my own sexuality. Well, my, I'm imagining that, like, one of the things that I teach with couples is to get the male partner or the penetrative partner to tune into the rise and fall of a woman's waves. Okay. So like women try to turn up to perform for that. And then they wonder why they're not keeping up. 
And it's because women go like this. And yeah. this is why I've heard lesbians say, look, lesbian sex is like so much better. Because, <laughs> and I'm wondering if it's because like you don't know till you've tried it kind of thing. You know, and I'm wondering if it's because both partners understand that. You know? Yeah, you know, it's so funny because, I mean, it's been a long time since I was dating, but, you know, when I was younger, I would say, you know, you just don't know. It's, it's you know, when you're with a woman and a woman knows how the woman's body works. And, and so it's probably yeah, yeah. has to do with the understanding of the way, you know, the way that we, that we reach pleasure. Yeah. But, you know, totally. again, what can happen, I mean, and you know, I'll say that, that my own trauma caused me to like have, and and I think menopause. So, you know, I lost my, I lost my sexuality. I lost, I lost all my libido and it was almost five years. Yeah. That's hard. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, and then it came back with a vengeance, which was really great. But, (laughs) (laughs) but, you know, I mean, I want to say to anybody who's listening and, uh, you know, if you've lost your libido, you know, you're not alone. And, and I am, I am like, proof that you can get it back you know so yeah and there's many reasons you know why why it can go as well yeah sure it's not just hormones I mean it can be so this this would be a good uh, segue into the questions from the audience because I have a couple of questions here from the audience but you know one of the things for 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 couples for couples who you know I've been married for a while now you know 15 years and if they've been married for a long time, they're they're kind of bored, you know, with with yeah. the pattern of you know sexual yeah. interaction. You know, how do you how do you help help them spice up their sex life? Because I think that that's frankly something. I mean, I'm I am not certain, and and I you know the jury's out on this, but I'm not certain that we as humans are supposed to be monogamous. And I have right. You know, <laughs> but we have a we have a social construct and beliefs around that that make us yeah. be monogamous, you know. And so, you know, because oftentimes, you know, we we have a, you know, many many people have a pretty active imagination that can help, you know. Yeah. I think in in spicing up a sex life, but but at the same time, it's like you know we've got this whole construct around monogamy, and mm. frankly, you know, that may not even be something that that you know, whereas humans are supposed to be doing. Well, yeah. I mean, Sex at Dawn is the classic book. I don't know if you've read that one. No. That that puts that argument forward very strongly. I mean, I personally, I, I work with people of, of all persuasions. So, you know, the jury's out for that on me. For, for me, the jury's out. I think with monogamy, you have a an opportunity for devotion, which right. is really powerful and beautiful, you know. It's yeah. The longer I stay married, the more I feel the pleasure in that. It's not like because I should be devoted because, you know, I want to be like Virgin Mary. It's like, no, I'm devoted because it makes me feel good. And and inside of that, then, how do I help people spice up their sex life? Well, I give them loads of practices which are basically like a gateway drug. <laughs> so it's like, you know, gone are the days when you can just come together and everything's amazing and, and explosive. You have to put the time and the practice in and you have to prioritize it. And I really think that it's worth prioritizing because, you know, women, female sexual happiness. Can we just pause for a moment and imagine a world? where female sexual happiness was a priority. Yeah. That's revolutionary. Yeah. You know, I mean, think about the times when you're, you're pissed off or you're emptied out and you're, you're resentful with your partner and, you know, you haven't had sex in months. And really, women are so powerful in, in what they emanate. You know, it's like life around us is pretty... It's not much fun to be around a woman like that. And most women are like that, you know. Many women. I wouldn't say most, but yeah. Yeah, so a woman who's really flourishing sexually, embodying, infects the room with feel good. Yeah. I I, I think it was on your site that I saw you said that orgasms, I don't know if it was today, maybe I saw this, orgasms four times a Four orgasms three to four times a week can increase your longevity by four years. I saw that somewhere today. 
Wow. Well, there's all sorts of interesting science around orgasm and pleasure, female pleasure, which is interesting for menopause around hormones, for example. Yeah. Well, in order to achieve orgasm, you have to have oxytocin. Without oxytocin, you're not going to get to orgasm. And some some women, uh, there there are there are pharmacies that will prescribe oxytocin for when you want to mm-hmm. have sex, but I think that that a lot of that has to do with with connection. Totally that. Totally yeah. that. You know, there's a, you, we don't we unless there's a physiological hormonal problem, which I'm imagining is quite rare. The problem is not that we're not producing oxytocin on demand. The problem is that we're not letting our feminine bodies lead. We're fitting yeah. in that. Right. And With the male, the male dominated thoughts. Yeah. The, the yeah. You wouldn't, it doesn't serve men either. Because when, you know, with, with, with heterosexual sex, you know, when a man really grasps that feminine wave of orgasm and dances with it and lets that lead, there's nothing more incredible than a woman in her full potent surrender, right? The sex is so much better, you know? So yeah. everybody wins. Now that, that's, that's really interesting. So, so the next question I have then, because you know, in menopause, right, we do have a decrease in hormones, which is natural. And, and I'm kind of of this belief that the pharmaceutical industry, of course, wants us to think that we have to balance our hormones, right? Mm-hmm. As, mm-hmm. as women going through a natural process that, mm-hmm. you know, female, most, many, many female mammals go through. I mean, we know that the whales go through it and we know that, you know, our species goes through it and I haven't really looked at others, but that the thing is, is that, so we have, we have a decrease in hormones and the question more is along the line of how you, how you help women in menopause and perimenopause improve their sex life. Well, obviously the hormones, the hormone estrogen goes down and the cortisol levels go up. Oxytocin and dopamine, which you've you know, rightly said are connected to orgasm and f- feminine sexual experience, have actually been shown to decrease cortisol. So any, I mean, I can give you an example of this from my own life, if that's useful to your sure. listeners. So when I, I remember one of the earlier times of practicing orgasmic meditation. So, you know, this is the, the practice that I teach where a partner strokes a woman's clitoris for 15 minutes without goal and following her waves. So I remember, just, just to interrupt for one second, this in woman's clitoris, do you actually teach the anatomy of the clitoris? Because one thing that a lot, and, and you put this on your blog, I know, and, and I just want to get to the fact that women have as much erectile tissue as men and yeah. when we're aroused, everything gets larger. And, and so do you actually teach the, the, the full anatomy? Because, you know, it, yeah. I mean, if somebody's I just going to rub straight on the nub, it's going to be yeah. a real problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, the thing is that, that there, there are, there's different techniques that I use. One of the, I run an online course called Orgasm, which you probably saw on my website, and that goes well into all the female anatomy. It is a, it's a big education piece in there because one of the things women want to do, like you say, they get stuck in a habitual rut. And so they want to explore what are the other parts of that anatomy that I can climax from or feel pleasure in. And so, yes, absolutely. Orgasmic meditation is one technique that I use in a plethora of many. But certainly if you pay attention to the clit, you will massively increase oxytocin. And I noticed this one morning because, you know, in my kind of normal Western habituated stress mode, you know, I wake up without realizing it's just fight or flight is on go for my nearest strong coffee. And one morning after one of these practices, I woke up and I was like, man, my whole experience is different today. It was so interesting. I was like, well, I am full of oxytocin. I can feel it now. Because, you know, I am just like grooving on, I am grooving on the world. (laughs) That's like like taking ecstasy or something, right? (laughs) It's right. There we go. Yeah. I mean, I've never taken ecstasy, but I know the people who do, man, they're very happy. Ah, Uh, ah. So, so going back to then the, the, the meditation, 
you give them this, you know, so, cause before I interrupted you, you were going to say something about doing the stroking for 15 minutes and then. Yeah. And it was just, it was that story, which is that yeah. I noticed how that practice created a, a completely different experience of life in my body. So yeah. that's the potency of it during menopause, because obviously we are, uh, more more prone to stress, cortisol is higher, immunity is lower. You know, you can lit the, the what I teach orgasm or orgasmic pleasure as a vital nutrient. Like, imagine if it was as important to you as good diet, breathing, and exercise. Yeah, no, and I think that's that that's really good because it takes the stigma away it just makes it something else that that we just do and pleasure if physical pleasure is going to give us a, a different look on life and if we're able to have physical pleasure sexually you know in the confines if you're married and, and the devotion of marriage and when you said that about you know the devotion of marriage it's really funny because it really does give us a a chance to you know i i mean well, while monogamy may or not may not be, you know, what we're wired for. I at agree the same with time, you. Yeah, yeah, but at the same time, we, you know, we have these these constructs, and so the construct is that that you know you're married to somebody, you don't have sex with somebody else, and what that does for me anyway is like I'm like, you know, I will never ever have sex with somebody else as long as I, uh, my spouse is alive because, you know, I've made. I made a commitment. And so I keep my promises. Yeah. You know, and that, and so that, that helps me to be, you know, contiguous with who I think I am. Exactly. And what that will do is it's a, it's a, it's a container which builds trust and trust is vital to feminine orgasm. We cannot, we cannot experience pleasure if our vigilance is up. And so it's possible to be polyamorous uh, if as long as you have that container straight, so everybody, and it's it's a bit harder, right, to to make that work because there's more people involved. But as long as everyone feels safe and uh, securely attached and happy, their their orgasmic sense will flow. You know, we all have no doubt have met people who have been polyamorous and it's a nightmare. You know, and that the, that's never an anti you know a, a, you're never going to have good sex in that way. Well, you're talking about vigilance and that, you know, we've talked about vigilance. We talked about PTSD and trauma. And one of the things I think, you know, and I wanted to talk to you about um, what, you know, healing from child sexual abuse and rape, um, because what happens in, you know, and we're talking about the female orgasm here. So we're talking about the female pleasure. So not, we're going to, you know, we're not discounting the fact that boys get raped or men get raped, but we're just going to talk about women today. But, but what happens is that when, you know, as somebody who was violated, I can talk about this and say, you know, for the longest time, my, I was always up to here, you know, don't touch me. And yeah. and even at night, you know, like, like I'll sometimes put covers over my head or if yeah. you wake me up and I've been, you know, if I, especially like after, if I've had to be up all night sleep uh, working, right. As a surgeon. And then, so, and I've come home and I fall asleep and someone wakes me up. I scream. I'm like, don't do that. And yeah. that happened to my son when he was little a lot. And I was like, don't right. wake me up. Don't wake me up. And so, you know, there's always this hypervigilance you know, easily startled, that sort of thing. Yes. So how yeah. do you help, how do you help women there? Well, I think one of the things I'd like to say is I've, I developed a, a system which ultimately I call the three stages of orgasm. And the first stage is very much reclamation. So that's where my orgasm course starts. I wanted to be able to um, work with women who are really shut down, either through trauma or through, um, oh, I mean, it's all trauma, really, you know, religious upbringing or yeah. um, yeah, there are women out there who are afraid or opposed to touch themselves. You know, there are women out there who never had a sexual partner. You know, there are women out there who are in a constant state of high alert and fear. I mean, I know that myself, you know, as a CPTSD survivor. So the only thing to do when you're there is to go really, really slowly. There's there's no, you you have to do the same work, but you let the body lead. You just let, you just go at the body's own pace. 
So you start to say yes to what the body is trying to show you. And and how do you how do you reconcile spirituality? So as part of, you know, the cosmic consciousness, as we say, and with the, the gurus who like to say that you have to transmute your sex energy. You know, Gandhi did that, Yogananda does that. So mm-hmm. And I actually am am a follower. I'm a devotee. I wouldn't say he's my guru because I haven't accepted any vows. But, but that is one place where I really disagree with the uh, policies of self realization fellowship. That that you know you should be celibate to be, yeah. you know, a person of God. Because yeah. I mean, at the end of the day, why why should you transmute your sex energy? Why can't you just like be sexually active but still you know bring up and do the kundalini and do those things right so i'd yeah. like to see how you how you respond to that well it fits into the three-tier system that i talked about you know we start with a really slow gentle introduction then we're, by the time you get up to the third stage we're talking about mastery so we're talking about um spiritual sexual spirituality yeah so That's obviously amazing. there's lots of different traditions uh, tantric traditions, for example, in Western, in the Western, I mean, Wiccan, you know, witchcraft, to me, witchcraft is all about releasing sexual energy in order to magnetize and influence the world in a good way. Right? That's great. Yeah. So one of the things is perhaps religious leaders feel that sex is too powerful. It's, uh, it's certainly a very volatile force. Like, you know, it, you need to work. This is where trauma awareness is hugely important because there's lots of people who just open your kundalini and bang. You know, you have some kind of, you go off on some kind of trip for days, you know. Sexual energy is is so potent that it needs to be worked with really responsibly, carefully, and with l- listening to the resistances in the body. But I think when you begin to get really masterful at this, it does become a spiritual practice, which, I mean, I don't tout myself as a spiritual teacher, but what I am teaching women when we get into the mastery side of this is, right, okay, your cup is overflowing. Like you're not fe- waking up feeling bitter, resentful, and, and like you need to fight the world to get what you want. You are just, like, for example, yesterday, I called my partner and we did a sexual practice. He came over in the lunch hour and we did it for half an hour. And after that, I went to because I'm all into pleasure. I went to one of the best Indian restaurants in London. Okay, I'm in London right now. Oh, yeah, well, that's, the best, that's to... the best Indian food almost in the whole world. So, <laughs> Right, yeah. right. Yeah, a, yeah. There's such a connection. So I went to this restaurant, and so I'd just been, like, practicing sexual energy for half an hour. Okay, So I was, like, emanating. I mean, we, you know when women are, women, women are in that zone. Like, yeah. they it's not about age or body shape or it's just like there's a woman in the zone. Yeah. And so I went with this sexual energy to the restaurant and the man in front of me tried to get a table and the, uh, the host was like, no, you know, it's busy. We can't serve you for an hour. So he was like, okay, I'll go somewhere else. And then I stepped up next and I said, oh, you're, you're, you can't fit me in for an hour. And he was like, I'll see what I can do. And I was like, boom, there it is yeah. right there. There's my sex That's energy. such a great story. Yeah, just for being, you know, receptive to the feminine. I was emanating something that he wanted to give to. Yeah. And I think that's where women can get to with this is a, a state of receptivity and happiness that actually influences the outside world in a very powerful way. Yeah, so I have my friend Fabian Fred- Fredrickson who does something very similar, but on a business side. She doesn't talk about orgasm so much. I don't know because I don't. I'm not. I don't study her stuff. But she has started a new, you know, company that is really all around how women run businesses and how women need to tap into the feminine to sell. And yeah. because when you when you fully embrace your feminine power you are going to respond mm-hmm, to the world mm-hmm. a lot differently than yeah. as if you're. Yeah. So I have they one do. more question here from, yeah. the, uh, from the audience, and that is what are the primary obstacles that you have to help uh, women in menopause or couples? I, we'll start with the women in menopause. 
overcome common obstacles? I would say it's an innate sense of disapproval for their bodies. So it's a kind of lifelong conditioning that there is something wrong with them. <laughs> and it's and that comes from the, the media. That comes from the media. That comes yeah. from you know that that comes from Photoshop and you know Id- idolizing the, the 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 thin. I mean, look at what Kirstie Alley who let herself mm-hmm. go was still mm-hmm. an absolutely beautiful, gorgeous big woman and yeah. and just didn't want to do coke anymore to keep herself thin. yeah <laughs> you know <laughs> right my inspiration is lizzo that if ever you know if ever i'm feeling like oh my body's too much like this or it's not enough like that i'm just like i'm just gonna watch, hang out and watch lizzo on instagram for a few minutes and like yeah, i don't know who that is but okay you need i think she's at lizzo be eating there we go that says okay. it all right Oh, she's, she, she, she's one of those people who takes uh, videos while she's eating. No, 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 no. She's, she's a, she's a singer, but she's she's very little body shame, put it that way. I got it. Okay. So, you know, it's really funny because it took me like, like when I kind of figured out like how to get through menopause and not be angry all the time. And, um, you know, I was super, super in mental misery. Right. Right. And I was really reactive and, and, and angry. And, uh, mm. I was waking up multiple times a night and I wasn't mm. sexually active and, and all these things. And then when I kind of, you know, figured out, and I was gaining all this weight, starting to look pregnant. Mm. So when I, when I discovered for myself, you know, what I had to do, I, I was able to drop 50 pounds and, you know, yeah. I can't, you know, we like to say that, that, you know, the people in, in the program, they, they go from mental misery to mental mate. Yeah. Because, because they, 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 you know, if you, you know, if you follow the program, you're going to get these results, right? Kind of like how you, yeah. how, how you teach women how to find their orgasm again. And so what I had, what I did though, was I'd like, okay, if I'm going to lose weight, uh, if I'm going to get the body I want, I have to start acting like that person now. And so. Yeah. What I did was I stopped, the first thing I did was I stopped hating my body. And I yeah. still have, you know, a fair amount of body shame. I mean, I grew up doing ballet, yeah. <laughs> enough said right there, you know, yeah. because, you know, in ballet, you're supposed to be, so I was never small, you know, I was always yeah. athletic, but never small. Um, and so I always thought I was fat. I was in, in every stage throughout my life. I thought I was fat and yeah. it just, it just happened just this week that, on the 22nd of February in 2014, I took a picture and I was filled oh. with joy. Wow. So it, it popped up on my Facebook feed and I yeah. was like, Oh, Holy crap. I was like 50 pounds heavier. And so, you know, wow. I went up and I, I took a picture, I did a photo and I'm like, you know, here's a side by side, you know, and, and so many things have changed for me because I, I no longer look for validation outside and, you know, all these things that have happened as I developed the mental system that, that have yeah. made such a big change in my life. And so I, I guess the point I'm trying to say is that, you know, when, when, when we're in menopause or at any stage of our life, if we're taught that we don't want to accept our bodies, that we yeah. have to, we have to get to this place of self-love first. Yeah, that's it. It's like whatever's going on approval and it's similar with the sexual response. And I just want to validate, you know, how you have, really used menopause as a portal for power which of course it can be it's like yeah. wake up shake up time isn't it right yeah. i mean one of the one of the things i hear women say a lot is it's like it's the secret society that no one talks about and we yeah. are we are really trying to break the silence about this because everyone's you know every woman who lives long enough is going to go through it yeah. and so it really truly is i mean let's reframe it and call it the privilege of a long life Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It's the privilege of a long life. And, and, you know, in, in Hollywood, when a woman is no longer desirable, they stop casting them. Yeah. And, and Amy Schumer and uh, Julie Louis, Julia Louis Dreyfus did a a video about uh, Julia Louis Dreyfus, Dreyfus's last effable day. And you can find that on YouTube. (laughs) And it's pretty funny because, you know, at the end of the day, uh, you know, 
why is our desirability to men more important than our contribution to society? Well, it's true, but I would also suggest that, honestly, I don't believe that our desirability to men goes away either. I mean, obviously, it's only of interest to your heterosexual audience, but, you know, sexual magnetism is a felt thing. Yeah. And there is no reason for a woman to ever turn that off. Right. And men respond to that. They're not always comfortable. I have men attracted to me all the time. And they're like, holy shit, she's 50. This can't be real. <laughs> and I'm just yeah, like, well, yeah. I got more experience than you, honey. <laughs> yeah. It's like, I know you yeah. can feel it. I can feel it. This is fun. <laughs> yeah, I had, I, I remember when I was younger, you know, my son was little, I, I, would have men just stop. They, I had, I, I remember one time I was taking my son to a, a, I don't know, the movies or something. And this man stopped his car, stood up and, and said, I want to take you out to dinner. I'm like, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know? And, and so it was, it's, it, it's very interesting that, um, you know, you know, if, if you, if you're in tune with that, that, that people respond. So I want to be mindful of your time, but I'd like to ask before we, before you get your closing statements, I'd like to kind of find out what, if you could give the audience something practical to help increase their pleasure. Yeah. I'm trying to think of what of like maybe the most potent. Mm. So, okay. Well, you have your, you have your eight day opt-in that we're going to put your eight day. I mean, your eight day, yeah. what is it? Eight days to upgrade your orgasm. And that's going to be hooked up in the show notes for you. And yeah. So what, what else? In terms of one phrase that I love is that your pussy never lies. <laughs> right. So you're either experiencing turn on or you're not. And my invitation to your listeners is that even if you're going through menopause, okay, even if that there's just an inkling of sensation in your pussy or kind of knowing, try and tune into that and just ask her, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? You want to buy a chocolate? You want to go, you know, hang out in an Indian restaurant? You want to take the afternoon off? Just ask her. And then the more you develop that relationship with your pussy, the more she just lights up when you're on. You know, it's like you can use her as a guiding light. And to anyone who's not feeling any sexual sensation at all, take heart, you know, because it's a slow, it can be a slow process of feeling your body. So if your pussy isn't talking, then just put your hand on your heart and start there. Out of yeah. interest, you know, the Chinese Taoist, the, the Taoist Tantra tradition, they wouldn't go near a woman's genitals until they'd spent time massaging her breasts and opening her heart region because they're energetically the two are so intrinsically connected yeah. so if you can't feel your pussy start up here and that's really that's really great advice so work on opening up your heart especially if you're not having any sort of libido at this time and i i do talk a lot about this i have a bonus on sexuality in my program and i talk a lot about forgiveness yeah as yeah. as a key to kind of you know opening up opening up your sexuality. So, uh, do you have any parting thoughts for for our audience? I think firstly, I just want to say how much I've enjoyed this discussion, and thank you so much for opening me up in all these wonderful ways where I got to be able to express some of my passions in the world. So, I really appreciate yeah. coming on. And I think the other thing. The thing I would say is that I believe the world really needs us right now. Yeah, they do. We, we really, I mean, especially with the likes of, you know, what's happening here in America with uh, the, the anger, the male anger that is you yes. know, going out and, and the way that, that women have been attacked by, by the dogma of our, of our sitting president. It's, it's really hard oh, for, for me to see that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So where can people find you? You can go to my website, which is julialally.co.uk and pretty much everything you'll need is on there. I also got quite, as you've heard, I quite like Instagram and I'm at julialally there as well. Awesome. All right. Well, you know, thanks so much for being a part of the Menopause Movement podcast today. And I'm going to tell you that uh, I'm, I'm probably going to have you back. And I think that you know, oh, I'm going to invite do. the... 
Yeah, I'm going to invite the audience to send in questions. Um, yeah. You can send them to info at drmichellegordon.com. No, info at menopausemovement.com. Send your questions to info at menopausemovement.com. We'll make sure to bring Julia back and answer your questions, your specific questions. I did have a few for this one, but I, I, this, is, this is great. Yeah, thanks great. so much. Thank you. Now, if you have questions about the topics covered in this or any other podcast, I invite you to open a conversation with me via email at info at menopausemovement.com or on Facebook Messenger through my Facebook page at Dr. Michelle Gordon. That's D-R-M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E-G-O-R-D-O-N. I also want to invite you to join in our next beta group. Here at the Menopause Movement, we are always trying out new methods of teaching and the best ways to get on top of your menopause symptoms. We regularly run beta test groups where we create a learning experience valued at $2,000, but at no cost to you in exchange for feedback and testimonials. To get notified of our next beta group, simply sign up at beta.menopausemovement.com. And thanks so much for being a part of the Menopause Movement. I appreciate you. Thank you.